I'm Shanna Merton, host of the Tech Tools for Teachers podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We're bringing you stories from educational leaders about the instructional resources, practices, and movements that are reshaping learning. It is a small rural school. It's also nice to be able to have that tight-knit community and um, a sense of knowing all of our families very well. And every student that walks through that door, I know their name and I know their strength, and that's important to me. I'm sure it's important to them too, right? To feel seen and known. Uh, remind, tell our listeners, what part of the country are you in? So we're in downstate Illinois. Um, we are about an hour south of Springfield in Bunker Hill, which is right close to Edwardsville, Illinois. Okay. And what, what led you to make the transition from the classroom to administrator? Actually, I didn't want to. <laughs> I loved being in the classroom. I loved teaching. And um, me, my family, we actually moved. And I found out very quickly that there's a teaching shortage. But if you have 14 years of experience and a master's degree, well, by golly, <laughs> it's hard to get that teaching position. So um, instead, I started applying for administrator positions and quickly got lots of interviews where I couldn't even find an interview for a teaching position, believe it or not. So it kind of just fell in my lap and it wasn't something I ever actually planned to do. Um, but now that I'm in this role, I find it very rewarding. So that's actually a little disturbing to hear. Like, why would we steer away from teachers who have a lot of experience and expertise? It costs a lot more money. I had to start writing in my cover letter, will take less <laughs> uh, because, um, but with union contracts and things like that, um, a lot of times districts can't can't pay you less even if you ask to be paid less, for example. So um, I was contacted by a superintendent who said, you know what, Shonda, like we would love to have you on board, but you're going to have to start applying for administrator positions. You're not going to find that teacher position with the qualifications that you have. And so that's when I decided, okay, I'll start applying for administrator positions. So it kind of just happened that way. And um, I'm glad it did now at this point, but I was frustrated at that time. <laughs> that is frustrating. And that seems mm -hmm. like a, a huge flaw in our system because we mm -hmm. know that student success, one of the leading factors is teacher experience and preparation. Yeah, definitely. Crazy. Oh my gosh, girl. How yeah. are you? We got to fix this system. <laughs> um, okay, so the lovely thing is, it sounds like you really get to watch these kids grow up, and probably, um, I'm guessing, in a small. You're saying that you're in a small rural district. Does it give you more time to be in classrooms? Do you think than if you were in a huge district or a huge school? Um. Um, not necessarily simply because I'm the pre-K coordinator, I'm the curriculum director for our district, I'm the only administrator in my building of pre-K through seven, so I don't have any assistant principals or anything. So um, I wouldn't necessarily say that it gives me more time, um, but that is just something that I make time for. Something I very much value is being visible in the classrooms, making sure that I know what's going on each and every day in those classrooms and that I can walk around and see great learning happening. Hi, everyone. It's your host, Christy Hemingway, and I'm so excited about our guest today and the resource that she came to share. 
Shonda Ronan started off as a kindergarten teacher. Then, in the words of her grandma, she got promoted to first grade. (laughs) So she brought 13 years of classroom experience to her current role as administrator in the Bunker Hill School District just south of Springfield, Illinois, where she leads a pre-K through seventh grade building. She's found a resource that supports the diverse needs of all of her teachers at every level of experience, all grade levels and all content areas. It honestly sounded too good to be true, so we couldn't wait to get all the details about the classroom education plan from Core Insights. As a pre-K through seventh grade building, I have vast different needs for each of the different grade level teachers. I have specialist teachers, things like that, where I was finding that the improvement needs and the professional development that my kindergarten teacher needed was not the same as the professional development that my third grade teacher needed or my seventh grade science teacher, for example. And so when they all have varying professional development needs and we have so little time, and I'll be honest, so little money in order to put forth towards those needs and to help them to grow, I needed to find something that allowed for differentiated professional development, because that was really key that our teachers could actually choose something that they needed and they found worthwhile to them specifically, not just whole group PD. We talk about that a lot as best practice in the classroom that you want to differentiate for your students, but then we don't differentiate for our teachers. I was just thinking that as I'm listening to you talk, why do we not apply all of the things that we know about how people learn best with our teachers and our faculty? It's very important for teachers to feel like, one, they have a choice in in what they're learning in their own personal professional development plan. And then it's also very important to give them the time to do that. And time was the other thing that I saw a huge gap in at our school district in regards to being able to provide quality professional development or time for collaboration with other teachers. And Core Insights is more of an embedded PD, which I really love that model because we don't have the time for a two-hour PD all the time. We don't get early outs in our district to devote to those PLCs. We only have a certain amount of half-day PD days that we can use. And so finding the time for professional development was really difficult. And that was the other gap that I really did see is that I needed to find a way that I could embed this PD into what my teachers were already doing so that it was purposeful for them, but it also was not one more thing. It wasn't two more hours that I was going to have them do things for. It could be done while they were teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is interesting. I used to work as a literacy coach for a, a curriculum company, and more and more districts were asking for exactly what you're talking about. We need something that is job embedded, that is flexible that teachers can reference and pull up whenever they need it in the classroom and that it's it's right there kind of at their fingertips, that it's low cost, that it does not involve substitute coverage or teachers or release time for the teachers because, and now especially, the districts just don't have it. They don't have the release time and they don't have the subs to mm-hmm. have teachers out in like a two, three day professional learning. But the the biggest key is the thing you said at the beginning is the differentiation piece. We mm-hmm. have teachers who are, you know, 10 year veterans alongside a, a brand new teacher in this workshop. And of course, their needs are completely different. And so give us a picture of 
for our listeners, most of who I'm guessing have, have not ever heard of this, what exactly is the classroom education plan and how does it work? It is that job embedded PD for teachers that can be differentiated based on their needs. And what's great about it, too, is that it's not just what the teacher feels like they need to learn about, but it's based off of surveys from the students and surveys from the teachers themselves. So that that way you can actually look at these surveys and find out, okay, this, these are my strengths as a teacher. And these are my weaknesses, you know, from nine, it might not even be the teacher's weaknesses, but it might be just as our class. These are the things our class needs to work on. These are my needs that I need to work on with this specific group of students. So again, it's not even just PD for the teacher and their instructional practices, but it's PD based around what do these students actually need in the classroom. So at the K-5 level, I think it's just so important that we have PD that we can pull up. It's quick. It's not something that's going to take these teachers two hours. It's, hey, here's this survey. Here are my needs. And it then gives you these strategies. Our teachers are professionals. It's not that they've never done it before in their lives or that they've never thought about it. It's that they need that reminder. Oh, yeah, I need to focus on this for this group of students. Or, oh, yes, this is something I did once or twice, but this should be a focus. And with the progress monitoring that the CEP does also. I feel like the best thing about that is that it gives them that reminder. It's a weekly reminder of, oh, this is my focus. So often we go to a full day or a half day PD and we get great ideas and they're never implemented. Right. We get great ideas and it goes by the wayside. The CEP is continuous. It's a continuous plan. They're constantly revisiting it. They're constantly um, talking about it with their peers and having rich dialogue about what strategy are you implementing in your classroom and how is that working? What does the survey say from your students about what they feel like is working and not working? How do you see that that's improving your instruction? And in you know the younger K-5 level, it is hard sometimes to see progress as a teacher or progress takes a long time. If you're a first grade teacher, you know, they're not reading, you know, at a glimpse, but to be able to see those progress monitoring that, hey, we might not be at Z where we want to be by the end of the year right now, but look, we are making progress and that's huge. Yeah. Is this for any grade level, any content area, Shonda? I would say K-5 is what we, K-5 primarily, and I would also say any content area like the core content areas is what we're using it for currently. That said, our special education teachers, you know, resource teachers have used the CEP also because the strategies are very much applicable to a lot of different content areas. Most of the strategies could be used at any grade level and any content area. Right now, it's not for secondary. They don't have it yet, but I do know that they're in the works for it, and I've asked for it because I honestly think I can see a lot of great applications for it at the secondary level. Okay, and so you're talking about strategies, and I'd love for you to give us a snapshot. It almost sounds like a coaching cycle, what you're describing, the way this tool works. So say I'm a math teacher, and how would that cycle look for me, and what might be some of the strategies that it would suggest or have me focusing on. So what's awesome as a math teacher, you would then give that survey at the beginning of the year. You yourself as a teacher would take a survey and you would be answering questions for each student in your class based on what that student knows or needs to know. 
you would get that information back. And at that time, you would get, you know, your main strengths and your main areas for improvement. And you could then target exactly what you think you would like to use as a strategy. And in those strategies, you can pull up lots of different ones. So a lot of times our teachers will get four or five different, you know, needs that they could potentially look at. It gives the teacher one a choice, which is awesome. Anytime a teacher has a choice in what they're learning about and how they want to grow is huge. So it gives the teacher a choice. The teacher can choose, and then they can also preview what those strategies might be. A lot of times, each of the strategies are really easy. It's going to take the teachers about 15, 10, 15 minutes to look over those strategies and really get a feel for what is in involved with that strategy. A lot of times it's an article. So they'll read an article about a certain strategy. Like, so for example, in math, a lot of our teachers in math had where they needed to break down the problem into simplest steps. Mm -hmm. And something as simple as breaking down a problem into simplest steps. It's not that our math teachers didn't know that that was important, but they weren't focusing on it as a specific Mm -hmm. strategy. And they didn't know that that was a need of their students specifically for that classroom. So after the CEP, they realized, oh, wait, this is something my students in this specific classroom needs. And so I'm going to work on breaking down the problem in simplest steps. When they do that, then they get this article to read. And this article will then give them specific teaching strategies to try, specific lessons that they can do with their class to then emphasize breaking down the problem into simplest steps. After they do that, then again, it's job embedded. We're not changing your math curriculum. They're not telling you to teach with a different math book. You're teaching with that same math curriculum. You're just implementing the strategy and making sure that when you are solving those problems, you you have this strategy at the forefront of your mind and at the forefront of your student's mind. And with progress monitoring, you would progress monitoring each week to see how are my students doing? It's just a time for you to reflect. How are they doing on this strategy? And when you do that, it's again, another great reminder to think to yourself, oh yeah, this is the strategy I'm focusing on. I need to remember to always be breaking down those problems into simplest steps. And I need to encourage my students to do the same. This is beautiful because it's it layers over whatever curriculum you're using. It layers over all of your different content areas and your grade level. So it's a tool that you get a lot of bang for your buck, it sounds like. Yes, you definitely get a lot of bang for your buck because it is very hard to change curriculums, to change the way you're doing things. Again, job embedded and and it flows seamlessly into whatever you're doing. And it really is best practices. It's reminding teachers that have been teaching forever that are awesome, amazing, excellent teachers that still need reminders of certain strategies that, they, that might have fall off the wayside, like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that strategy. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, I used to do that a lot better. Or, oh, you know what? I need to maybe start focusing on this with this group more than I have in the past. Yeah. And it gives them that reminder of those best practices. And these strategies, honestly, the thing that, that also bought me into it was that I'm not sitting them down for two hours. Right. The teachers do not have two hours. They're reading a quick article that's going to take them 10 minutes to read. It's a good reminder. It gives them some good lesson ideas, some good strategies to implement, some good real takeaways that they can implement quickly in their classroom. Sometimes it's a video that they watch. But either way, it's a 10 to 15 minute, hey, don't forget to do this. Yeah. So it's bite-sized and immediately actionable, which is fabulous. And it's continually building teacher efficacy. Yes. And that is so important. So that that way teachers feel empowered. Yeah. 
So say I was, you know, I'm, I'm teaching English language arts and I'm looking for, I take the, and it's data driven, right? So the, the data from these surveys is really informing how I'm adjusting my instruction. So I discover from my, from my survey that something I really want to work on is increasing student voice in my classroom. It will give me strategies to do that. And it will give yes. me information about, about that. Yes. And you can even pull up that strat- those strategies and that article and those components to it ahead of time to see, oh, yeah, I already do this in my classroom. Or, oh, this is something that I don't do in my classroom that I need to work on better. And it will give you those little tidbit, those little tips, those ideas, those lessons that you can incorporate easily in your classroom mm-hmm. um, in order to gain that student voice. How long have you been using this? So we started at the very beginning of this school year. And so now it's January. So we've been using it for a whole entire semester now here at our school K-5. What changes are you seeing in classrooms and with teacher practice? The number one thing that I'm seeing that I really love is rich dialogue between teachers about strategies and about improving their instruction and best practices. And I love being able to watch that instead of facilitate that. Now our teachers are meeting with each other, they're collaborating, and their conversations are on, are about the data. And and what did your survey say about this? And we're talking about our needs because it's not something scary. We're not in competition with each other. We all have needs. Even the excellent teacher has five needs that show up on their survey. Even the needs improvement teacher has five strengths that show up on their survey. So we can talk about our strengths and we can talk about our needs and we can have those conversations in our collaborative meetings about what are you doing in your classroom? What are you seeing working for your students and talking about how we can improve. And I see these bite-sized PDs as those reminders of those best practice and some strategies that would help to move your class forward to be better, to move your instruction as a teacher forward to be better. And, and that's the number one thing I've seen as a game changer for our school is just those conversations around being better for our students. Yeah. So it sounds like there's been a real increase in the collegial culture of your school. Definitely which is fabulous. And it's early days. So it's a little bit hard probably at this point to talk about student outcomes, but are what are you noticing from students? I was really impressed. We just did our mid-year survey. So we had a beginning year survey for our students and a mid-year survey for our students. And what's great about the CEP is it's not just surveys based on just academic content areas. It does very highly focus on math, reading, and writing. However, they also, for the students, have all the SEL components, which our SEL coach that we have here at our school has found that to be very, very helpful. At the beginning of the year, I honestly was very impressed with our scores from our student surveys based on the SEL components like sense of belonging and whether or not you get along with your peers, if you feel like your teacher cares about you. Those are just some of the questions that they ask at the beginning of the year. And I was very impressed with our scores. And I thought to myself, man, with this mid-year survey, we're going to, it's going to be hard to see growth. And I was, I was blown away that we even saw growth in those areas. And so it just really was a reaffirmation for the teachers that, that we are making a difference. 
parents and that our students feel it too. When those student surveys come back and it says that, yes, more of your students feel that their teacher cares for them and that their teacher wants what's best for them, that's a that's a big win, you know, in my book. And whenever our students' sense of belonging mm-hmm. is high, that's a huge thing for a principal to have students that feel like they belong at your school. That's everything right there. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the foundation of the hierarchy of needs, right? This integrates and brings together so many things that are tricky to address. I just feel like it solves so many problems all in one. Do you feel like your teachers were able, because we talked about the difficulty in providing release days and sub days for, for trainings, Did your teachers have to attend a training or how did they get up and running with this resource and how long did it take them to really become proficient with using this? So we did do a training at the very beginning of the school year with Tony from the CEP and she did a great job of breaking it down for our teachers. Um, However, it is very intuitive. The program is very easy to use, really just giving that beginning of the year survey for our students and then having the teachers take the beginning of the year survey. We started those surveys in September. That way the students had and the teachers had about a month together. So that way they really knew each other. They could take those surveys at that time. And after that, then it really is very intuitive. It it gives you all that great data where you can see where your students are at with those different SEL things and also where the teacher feels the students are at in regards to the academic areas. And then from those surveys, then it automatically just gives you those strengths and needs. And you can just go ahead and click on them. It's like, okay, here's a need of mine. I'm going to go ahead and click on this one and see what type of strategies they're recommending for this. See if this is one I want to implement or not. And then the teacher themselves, they have the option of, yes, I'm going to implement this strategy or no, I'm going to go ahead and move on to this other need and implement this strategy. So I don't feel like there was very, very much PD that was actually needed. But I think once the teachers kind of started implementing um, some of the strategies in their classrooms, that it really started to make sense for them. And they could start seeing that progress on those progress monitoring. And I think anytime anybody, no matter what you're trying, can see progress, then it makes you want to continue. That's motivating. Yes, it's very motivating. For sure. How did you find out about this? So I actually found out about the CEP through IEI. IEI is an organization that I go to and they have their own professional development. And they basically, the concept of IEI is basically pairing vendors and people who have great solutions in education with superintendents and administrators who are looking for those solutions. And so then they pair you together and you can discuss those different solutions and And honestly, like it's been invaluable for me to learn about it. And through that, then we just, we hooked up with Tony and it's, it's been great since. (laughs) Awesome. Do you have a favorite success story, Shonda, with a specific teacher or a specific student or classroom that has been an outcome of this? So I would say my favorite success story right now, there's, there's honestly been quite a few. Actually, I have a third grade teacher who was specifically working on a strategy for memory. So she was seeing that her students were having a hard time just with with basic like rote concepts, spelling and things like that. She not only used the CEP strategies, but then even 
because of those strategies, it made her start thinking. So then she even branched out and got some of her own resources too to um, introduce in her classroom. And she was able to see her students' scores grow, not only just with their you know regular spelling tests and things like that, but just across the board in other subject areas too, with just memory, like working memory to how do we build memory? You can see how even a strategy like that can be applied across all subject areas. And so she did see a growth in all subject areas based on just some of the strategies she was doing with memory. And even some of the other teachers that were working working with them, like the interventionists and stuff, it was like, hey, they were saying like, oh, we need to try a mnemonic device. Oh, we need to try this to remember, help us remember. They've been applying it with all kinds of things now. You know, Something that is so fabulous about what you're saying is that you're it goes so far beyond kids remembering specific content for an exam or, or you know for a content area to we're actually by using these strategies teaching kids how to learn and how to learn better. So we're just we're making them better learners overall versus just getting them to pass a test. And that's what's great about the CEP, the strategies that I've seen implemented, like improving working memory, breaking problems down to the simplest steps. Um, In kindergarten, I had teachers working on fine motor skills and building those fine motor skills with their students. But just these are just to name a few. There are things that can, again, cross over lots of different content areas and improve not only your instruction based on instructional strategies to teach that, but then also it's giving the, the students life skills that they can use and apply in a lot of other areas too. Yeah, lovely. To whom would you recommend this? I would honestly recommend it to any K-5 school. I know, again, they are targeting K-5 right now. I'm, again, pressuring them to go up <laughs> high in middle and high school. Yeah. Uh, right now, any elementary school, I would honestly recommend it to, especially if you're trying to facilitate PLCs and you're trying to get your teachers mm-hmm. to have rich dialogue around data and just improvement in instruction and improvement in learning. I think we can all always improve. And so that's kind of something that I think has been transformational here at our school is that we're all working on something. We all have a strategy that we're trying to build. And a lot of times those strategies should be specific to your students. And we should be talking about our students, talking about growth and talking about what we can do to meet their needs. And so I would recommend it to any K-5 administrator and teachers out there. It's again, a very affordable, it's very quick, and it can be seamlessly embedded to what you're already doing, which is key. Love that. One more question, Shonda. So I'm I'm assuming that these strategies are all research-based strategies. Where do they come from? So yes, you're you're correct. The CEP has all research-based strategies. They have vetted all of these. Another thing that you can be assured of is that mm-hmm. it's quality. It's not it's a lot of teachers, and it's not teachers <laughs> to teachers. No, exactly, I hate to those sites. I'm, a, you know, I'm a Pinterest junkie, but like that's not where we should be doing our lesson planning. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, you know, I think a lot of times teachers know the different areas that you know they need to improve upon, and so then they're left at their own devices of googling it and, like you said, Pinterest and teachers, right. teachers, which is, which is all they have at their disposal. Yeah, sometimes. if we're not providing a resource for them, like the classroom education plan, where, where else? can they go? Exactly. And so in order to make sure that it is differentiated, I like the fact that 
I can know and be confident in the fact that these are research-based strategies that these teachers are using and employing in their classrooms. If you'd like to know more about the research involved in the best practices and strategies from the Classroom Education Plan, check out our recent interview with Dr. Cynthia Niebel from The Learning Scientists. They're the ones doing the work to conduct and compile the research about how we as humans learn best and making that research accessible to and applicable for educators like you. You'll find that interview linked in the episode notes along with the classroom education plan from Core Insights. You can click the link to learn more or just visit us at edcuration.com and search Q-O-R-E Insights, all one word. You can schedule a demonstration for you and your team, download a quote or request a pilot. I can't think of a single educator listening who wouldn't benefit from knowing more about this research and trying it out. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If so, please follow, like, share, and tune in again next week to reshape learning with us here at the Ed Curation Podcast. <music>